All right, with that introduction, of course, I'm hungry already for Original Joe's. Uh, well, you know, two guys talking ball. By the way, uh, Original Joe's open for outdoor seating in North Beach. Uh, give them a call. Of course, there'll be a special Father's Day menu coming up uh, a week from tomorrow. But uh, Monday through Thursday, 3 to 9, Friday noon to 9, Saturday and Sunday, 10 a.m. to 9, with brunch offered from 10 a.m. to 1. Call 415 775 4877 and uh, John Dugan, the most unique restaurateur in the Bay Area, getting it together out at Westlake and, of course, in North Beach with Original Joe's. Bruce, how are you? How are you doing? Doing well. Missing those trips to uh, Westlake Joe's uh, before the movies, you know. Uh, it was a real regular thing for us, but uh, we're doing well. We're, we're, we all feel you know, we're healthy and we feel lucky to be, you know, my wife and I are still making some money and I'm real busy with the Chronicle. So, uh, you know, no complaints out here. Very good. Very good. Well, the Players Association, uh, they have formally uh, rejected the owner's uh, last offer. And the ball is now back in uh, Rob Manfred's court. And I said this earlier in the show when I started, Bruce. Uh, people shouldn't get uh, the idea that Rob Manfred is some independent commissioner. He is a hired mouthpiece for yeah. the owners. They picked him. And he gives the owner's perspective. He is not here to give the player's perspective. And people have to understand that. So now... Whatever comes out of his mouth now or whatever the next offer is, they say, Rob Manfred, what are you going to do? It's owners. What are you going to do? Rob, would you please tell us what they want to do? And he takes all the heat. Um, And, you know, it's always been that way. I mean, back in 94 when – when they called off the World Series, that was that was entirely on the owners, and the people blamed it on Selig. But you know, the owners were guiding him in that direction, and there, was, there wasn't much he can do. He's at their beck and call, more or less. And I, I know it crushed Bud because, unlike Rob Manford, who's a labor guy, you know, Bud was a is a baseball guy. And when he ran the Brewers, you know, we had great connections with him. He'd come through the press box and trade stories and throw little witty remarks out at all the Brewers beat writers and just a whole different deal than a than a uh, you know kind of a stuffed shirt labor guy but like Manfred but I, I do feel sorry for him in the fact that everybody's blaming him well how could you come up with that counter proposal you know and it's not really the case no and everyone says uh, yeah, it's interesting because I listen to Mad Dog and all the different shows during the week when I can uh, but one of the issues, they said, well, what, what will Manford's spot in history be? Is he concerned about that? He has no choice. He has no, no. choice. They're going to tell him what to do. It'll be dictated by what the owners do. That's right. I mean, uh, yeah, and to, you know, to date, there's, there's nothing, you know, he, he has really nothing to to put on that uh, on that plaque for himself in terms of a legacy i mean you know the game has uh, has lost a lot of its appeal i think for various reasons and and he always has, hasn't always said the right thing maybe didn't act decisively enough with the astros this and that it, it's almost always um criticism coming his way I will say he, he, there's a lot to be said for an even temperament. He, he doesn't start shouting at people you know, in the middle of a press conference. He's, 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 and I think because he knows deep down he's not making these calls, you know, and he's just delivering the message. He's like the White House press secretary. Yeah, he's like uh, General William Eckert. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who was the commissioner after Fort Frick, the unknown soldier, they called him. Um, but yeah, you know, but he was a commissioner. Obviously, it was so obvious in the '60s 
that the commissioner was chosen by the owners. And that's Happy Chandler, Fort Frickett. That's the way it's been. They made the mistake with uh, Judge Landis. They gave him authority. And once he died yeah, in November exactly. of 1944, they said, never again will we give anyone that kind of authority. And they haven't since. And that's the truth. Next thing so. you know, you got Bowie Kuhn in a short sleeve golf shirt when it's 30 <laughs> degrees and blizzard. <laughs> really? And he <laughs> never could read the room. Isn't that amazing? Exactly. Never. Yeah. He never could read the room. Well, we'll see. Yeah. I say it every Saturday. Well, we'll we'll know by next Saturday. But um, I, I get, and you mentioned this in in your column today. A little different perspective for the A's. They can't wait to get going. They they got a chance to win something truthfully, and for the Giants, it's it's more development really. Yeah, I mean, you you look at the A's. I mean. You know, there's some talk about there's always financial issues with the A's. Are they really going to be able to keep uh, Matt Chapman and, and Matt Olson? You know, is Semyon really going to go? And it's always in the air, and more often than not, they do. But right now, as we speak, they've got a team that can beat Houston. They've got a team that has beaten Houston in at various times over the last couple of years in the season series, uh, sometimes very decisively and convincingly. And they've got great young pitching, Luzardo and Puck and Manaya and, and uh, you know, just really, you know, Loriano, really good players. You can't really find a weakness on that team, I don't think. I mean, not not a really glaring one. They're absolutely ready to win right now, and, and who knows, this might be their best shot at it. Uh, so they're just live. They're dying with this news that they can't get on the field. It's it's just so terrible. And the Howard Terminal project is dying, along with the you know their chance to to prove themselves uh, on the field. Um, they probably will play baseball. I don't know about Howard Terminal, but you know with the Giants, it's. I was just trying to project. You know, fans are. They know that this, this, there's some, some really likable guys on this team, and I think they're going to be fun to, to watch, uh, for, at least for for a while before it becomes evident that you know they don't have the talent some of these other teams do. But, you know, but they've got a lot of young guys that are going to be prominent in two or three years. You know, the Joey Bard and Ramos, and you know maybe Hunter Bishop's going to be in there. Uh, the Bailey, the catcher they drafted out of North Carolina State's a great defensive catcher for sure. If he hits, it's going to be great, and the shortstop prospect. Luciano. I mean, you can, you know, Dubon. I mean, they've got guys that you can see on the field for a contending team if they can build a pitching around it and get some power. Admittedly, two big demands, but, you know, these things can happen. So there's a real contrast between the two teams. Uh, which you know, which is not uncommon over the years. There generally is. No, and it, it sort of looked that way in the draft as well. Uh, you know, the, the Giants drafting some very safe players, so to speak. Uh, Patrick Bailey. Is, I never heard the phrase. You know, I heard this for the first time this week. You can never have too much catching. I never heard that before. <laughs> uh, you, you can never have too I'm many runs. You can't I'm have too much Hank pitching. And, yeah, Hank Forles and Dutch Dotterer. You know, I mean, you can never really? have too much catching. So who is this Patrick uh, Bailey? Is this Patrick Bailey Mark Hill? Is that who he is? <laughs> I mean, what are we oh, talking God. about here? Let's hope not. Let's let's hope not. They, they I, I like that he was, uh, as I mentioned in the column, he was, uh, they let him call his own game, which is very rare in the, in the collegiate game. Uh, but it just makes so much sense. I mean, a guy knows his pitchers as well as anybody if he's really sharp like Bailey is. Um, he's just, he's a tremendous defensive catcher. There's, there's, there's like uh, across the board, he's a big league defensive catcher, but he has hit. You know, whether the big leagues are going to expose his bat, that remains to be seen. But, you, you know, you see the clips that the, the swing looks good. Mark Hill never looked good at the plate, just ever. <laughs> he had a good nickname. Yeah. <laughs> what was it? Boot. Boot. Yeah. Boot yeah. Hill. 
Boot Hill. We're on Boot Hill when he's up there. <laughs> That's right, Mark Boot Hill. That was it. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, you know, people, a lot of teams were after Bailey, so I've got. I think there's some hope for him, and you know, maybe he catches. Uh, you know, Posey at third and Bart's at first, or one of them's DHing, and you can just you know use your imagination a little bit as they stockpile. But you know, if it turns out that that Bart and and uh, Bailey are only catchers, then that, that's not a great situation. But I think they're looking for versatility. Well, it's going to be interesting to see what Manfred does here, uh, delivering the message from the owners and how many games. Uh, because, look, if it's 50 games or 48 games, heck, the Giants could win. Anything can happen. I mean, at the hook of that 48 games is that it, it's open for everybody. I don't care who you are. You know, you get and plus if you have eight teams in the playoffs, you know, you have half the league in the playoffs. It could be crazy. But no one, and I'll predict this, will make more moves, whether it's with thirty players, twenty-eight players, twenty-six players, whatever they're proposing as as the month goes on, than Farhan. He'll have people. Yeah. Uh, you know, he'll have Uber going in and out of that ballpark. Uh, it'll look like the Bay Bridge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, you know, why not? I mean, we saw a taste of the way he, he operates last season, and there, were, Lord knows there are a lot of guys you wish had never come in. But meanwhile, you get a Dickerson or a Mike Yastrzemski and, and that sort of thing. He made a nice nice deal for Pilar and and uh, certainly was uh, had a decent track record. And I'm really interested, uh, Henry Schulman mentioned it today in the paper that um, – you know, it's free agent season now for the $20,000 crowd. You yeah. know, the guys who weren't drafted, you can only, they can only sign for 20000 and Lord knows any team can, can uh, afford that. So I hope they're very proactive there. I mean, you know there's some players out there that are going to be, probably going to be stars. I mean, every year in the draft, there's guys taking six round and lower who wind up being great players, Hall of Famers in some case. So they're going to be on that. Um you know the the bummer being is that they they haven't seen anyone you know play high school or, or college ball in, in in so long it's it's uh, you don't have that right up to the minute information but um, a little bit of, it'll be a little hit and miss but this is really going to be uh, a test of uh, of his know how and we'll see how you know how Gabe in, Gabe Kapler's input works into it too yeah I'd say if you're any good. Even though you weren't drafted, I mean, if you think you're good and you should have been drafted yeah. in this, you're not going to sign for twenty thousand. You're going to go to junior college. You're going to do something. And my my personal take is that the people who will be picked will be sort of tenth rounders or higher. Because um, yeah. otherwise, why would you give up your you know your your potential bonus for six months at twenty thousand <clears throat> if you think you could go to a junior college or a college? And, and, you know, raise your stock. Yeah, well, I mean, if you go to a major school, if you go to, you know, Vanderbilt or UCLA or wherever and get into the College World Series and look good, you're talking about millions instead of 20000 So, yeah, that's uh, the, the, college, the college game is going to be overloaded with talent. Um, you know, in some cases, like too much and, you know, tough calls and, and guys promise this and they're not going to be able to play and all this stuff. And, geez, I went there and I couldn't get a job or I had a job and I lost it to this new guy. And that, that's just sports, you know. But mm-hmm. uh, the, the college game is going to be going to be pretty good, assuming that they play a college season. I mean, they exactly. we, we got to see how college football works, because if that completely bombs out and college football just can't be played, you're talking about schools in some cases losing like 75% of their athletic revenue, and then what? Who takes the hit? You know, the the spring sports, and that's baseball doesn't bring in any money. So, 
it's just then you'll have a situation like when Cal dropped baseball and you're going to have, you know, a bunch of donors stepping up and can they save the program? It's just mm-hmm. heartbreaking stuff. Mm-hmm. Very good point. Uh, there's a good story about Darren Baker, Dusty's kid. Of, uh, yeah. Not, not, uh, he's not going to take a $20,000 uh, flyer, but he's going back and he started a, a GoFundMe kind of thing as well. Yeah, I tell you, I'd love to see the Giants or the A's draft him because he's uh, he's 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 like Dusty in that. I, I know the kid pretty well. I've known him since right from the start. He and my okay. daughter Molly are virtually the same age. Okay. And uh, and Darren Baker is one of the great kids I've I've ever come across. Prejudice aside, he just is. He's just a fantastic, caring, uh, you know, adult adult like kid with great perspective. He's a really good athlete. He moves around second base like a major leaguer. There's no question about that. He's been a light hitter, and, and his body's been very very slight. But he's putting on some muscle, and he's working at that. And I just think um, – I certainly think he's worth drafting. Who knows if he's going to be a big league hitter like his dad, who was like Dr. Scald, you know, mm-hmm. dead-pulling Nolan Ryan. Uh, but uh, just the character and the defense alone make him worthwhile as a draft pick after he plays in there the year Cal. <clears throat> very good. Well, that would be fun to see him. And he did well in the Cape Cod League in a very short period. Uh, that was good. That's a good league, a good yeah. test, yeah. Hey, uh, this is an anniversary uh, yesterday was of uh, the Tigers firing manager Les Moss. And who did they hire? Sparky, Sparky Anderson. Les Moss, you want to talk about backup catchers. Les Moss was the classic backup catcher of the 50s. Uh, I, I, I won't even start with the St. Louis Browns, White Sox, and other teams, Les Moss. But uh, Sparky gets hired uh, with the Tigers. And, of course, uh, 84 is an amazing season. Hall of Famer. Did, and I, I was thinking about this. You must have covered Sparky, right, Bruce? Oh, absolutely. Um, the mid-'80s, I covered the A's mostly, uh, and we made many, many trips into Tiger Stadium. And I'll tell you, there's nothing like sitting in the in the uh, manager's office after the game or on the bench before the game and listening to somebody like, like Sparky or Earl Weaver or Bobby Cox you know those guys are going away, Boshi. You know those guys are, are, are. It looks like they're going away, and there's so much experience. You know, so much character and and uh, you know and, and humor. He and in '84, um, we went into Detroit uh, a couple times during that season, and then I covered the the World Series uh, in the '84 World Series, and I was there. You know when it ended. So yeah, lots of experience with Sparky Anderson, and it, it's it, you know he's Sparky Anderson is a, a typical manager, especially in those days, of a guy who who played in the big leagues, but just he was like a light hitting second baseman, right? That's the like Tony La Russa. He was exactly that guy, but he played one year in the bigs, Marty, and he was a starting second baseman for the Phillies. Mm-hmm. He was a starting second baseman the whole season. Yes. And I have to ask you, who was the second baseman in '58? Solly Hemus, <laughs> okay, one of our well, favorites. I'm trying to think who Sparky got traded for as you were speaking, because he was a Dodger and he got traded to the Phillies, and I'd have to look it up to see who Sparky was. But it's one of those names you'll recognize. Uh, but but Sparky, yeah, well, had- he, yeah he he came up uh, with the Dodgers, which was a dream for him because he went to Dorsey High School. He and the great Art Spander, Dorsey uh, High School uh, grads of that of that era. Uh, all-city player, played with the Montreal Royals in the Dodgers organization and was a heck of a player. And and just just when the Dodgers are moving west and he's going to try to play for his his dream team in 59, he gets traded to the Phillies, and it kind of went downhill after that. But, 
Yeah, uh, wonderful man. Uh, really enjoyed uh, spending some time around him, and you know, getting to know him a little bit as a, as somebody who drops into his office a dozen times over the years. There, you're lucky, so lucky to be able to. I'm telling you, when the book comes out, it's going to be a hell of a book. It really will. <laughs> it will. You've got so many experiences. All right, December twenty third, nineteen fifty eight, uh, traded by the Dodgers to the Phillies for Jim Golden, Rip Rapolsky. <laughs> and Gene Snyder, and, yeah. and I can tell you something about each one, but I won't. But uh, but Rip Rapolsky, I think he was from uh, from the Valley. Uh, good. Yeah, hitting. I remember him being a yeah. young Dodger fan. He he was kind of right? he didn't pan out. No, great no, name. Well, you wanted him to just rip one out of there, didn't you? But no. <laughs> Eldon Rip Rapolsky, uh, <laughs> Phillies, Cardinals. And uh, ended up as a Dodger. Jim Golden was uh, one of their phenoms that never made it. And Gene Snyder was another one, pitcher that never made it. All right, so yeah. <laughs> that's that. I love this part of the show. Um, we got to talk about, with Rod Wotus and Bill Lasky tonight, uh, Ron Paranoski as mm-hmm. a pitching coach of the Giants. And uh, I don't know if you got to know Paranoski, Bruce, but, boy, you talk about a long career with the Dodgers, and they just canned him. And just said, well, sorry, you're not going to be our pitching coach anymore. This is it. Like after 20 years almost, and they brought in Dave Wallace because he was younger. And Paranoski ended up with the Giants. How about that? Yeah, he joined him in '95. He, he, he seems like their minor league uh, pitching coordinator. Then he he, he was uh, Dusty Baker's bench coach, I think, before the uh, he he became the, actually the pitching coach. But it it did seem strange, I, I, you know. Guarantee you, for you know, for people like me especially. I mean, in uh, in '63, this guy out of the bullpen for the Dodgers, and you know they're winning the whole thing that year. Goes 16 and three. And he was like a hero. of my, my buddy and I used to go out there all the time in, in that season. And, and Dodger Stadium was a heck of a place to try to get out of after a game. You just hated to be one of those people who left early like everybody else in Hollywood. You know, they're on a date and they don't want to be stuck in traffic with their girlfriends or whatever. But uh, this is a buddy of mine. He was an, he was an athlete, too. And, and uh, we decided that we would see the game and beat the traffic. So Paranofsky would come in, sure enough, relieving Drysdale or Koufax. And we get right down by the exit to the stadium knowing that he was going to retire the side and end the game and, and as soon as that last out was like in the air before it was even <laughs> caught we were in a dead sprint to our cars <laughs> laughing all the way home I love it so he, I was, love he it. was a hero of ours <laughs> yeah well Ron uh, and Bill they had great stories of Ron Paranoski so if you if you missed that part of the show tonight check it out it's our everything's archived at KMBR.com on our podcast page uh, ESPN's doing something on McGuire and so of the 1998 home run race that many people say saved baseball and sort of launched everyone into the steroid era. But um, when we look back on it, was it a fraud? Was it necessary? Was it fun? Who cares? I think it was fun. I think it was kind of necessary. I don't think it saved the game. I don't think you can kill the game or save it. You know, I mean, uh, I've never thought that, and that's going to be the case uh, whenever the game comes back with fans. We're going to realize that even if they don't play this season, the game's still going to have the sort of appeal that only only baseball can have. But, um, you know, to the thing about it is that, it, it really was wonderful, you know. Uh, Sosa was a was a real, you know, live wire presence. Uh, you know, you couldn't take your eyes off him. He was kind of kind of a funny guy. He brought a lot of McGuire's personality out of him. So the interchanges that they had, before, you know, during all this thing were really good. And they're hitting these bombs and. 
you know, records are being broken, and and it was fun. I mean, you know, people were in tears. You know, writers. You know, some of the things that happened, they were they were so moved. You know, and you you can't say that didn't happen. Everybody is saying, "Oh, that's a fraud. Forget him and never." And of course, it happened. It it really bugs me that Sosa gets like one Hall of Fame vote from me. You know, and the guy hit sixty homers. You know, routinely he hit six hundred. He did not hit him. He did hit him, and so did McGuire. I mean, those are the times. It, the, the whole history of the game is is filled with you know, what if? What if Babe Ruth had faced black players, or you know, what if gamblers hadn't ruled the early twentieth century? This the whole history of the game is like this and you know it's not great it's not great that bonds you know hit 73 homers or any of that's not great but it did happen and people were cheering so what now you're not cheering i i, I just don't get it yeah it was amazing uh just to, to just go through that and see it happening and uh and at that point no one was really skeptical so it was well they something- were see that's another thing it, it was obvious to to you know people in, in the game um you know that 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 was happening. Um, that that was what ninety eight. Yeah, nineteen ninety eight. Yeah, I mean, I remember um, Tom Boswell writing many years before, writing about Jose Canseco. It looked like an obvious uh, performance-enhancing drug guy, and and there was always talk behind the scenes about this stuff. It was not a mystery whatsoever, it, but it did not the way that it got to be, you know, years later. But no, it wasn't reported uh, like that in '98. No, no. I mean, the big thing was they looked in his locker and saw some, you know, powder supplement. That was, I remember, that was the big deal for McGuire. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was, yeah. I think that, Steve, Steve Steve Wilstein, I think, was the guy. Yeah, that was the big uh, deal, and and he was vilified yeah. for for reporting what he saw. How about that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. No, it it certainly wasn't wasn't popular because uh, you know people didn't want to rock the boat of this great thing that was happening, and the home runs were leaving the yard, and yeah. and uh, yeah. But I mean, it, it, it certainly uh, it certainly wasn't a huge puzzle that Sammy Sosa suddenly looked a hell of a lot bigger than he ever had and yeah. all these things but you know well but it was it was an exciting part of baseball and it does capture everyone for six months or eight months whatever whatever it was uh, I like Jason Stark's little tay-to-tay uh, with McGuire where he said to McGuire could you still do you think uh, without PEDs you would have hit 70 home runs McGuire says absolutely Absolutely. I, when I got in the box, uh, I was focused and I, I could hit home runs. So really broke in with forty nine. That, that's exactly what I said. That's exactly yeah. what I said. But as, with the uh, A's, yeah. The answer was forty nine eight seventy. Okay. <laughs> no. It, it's still no, pretty, and pretty good for him. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's good. That, he could have. He absolutely could have. I mean, the guy had unbelievable power. I think he did. Yeah. I think yeah. it did. All right, last one. Uh, it is the anniversary of the first interleague game, which we still have going strong. Uh, people seem to like it. Baseball likes it, as you point out in your column. Probably going to have a universal DH, which I think is unfortunate, but, but it's coming. Um, but first interleague game, uh, God, who would, would we have thought back then that we'd still be talking about 25 years later or close to it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't think they brought it in as a novelty. I mean, uh, you know, I, I didn't like it just coming from the times when the World Series rolled around and you got two teams that hadn't seen each other since maybe spring training, if, if that. You know, I, I thought that you lose a lot of things there. I mean, now you, you go through September and you're playing teams in a division, and all of a sudden the Giants are playing Detroit on the September 20th. Know. You know, that, that's, that stuff is wrong. Um, when it first happened, 
uh, at that time, at that time, you know, I'd been to I'd been to every park in both leagues, and I was just thinking, God, Yankees, Mets, and White Sox, Cubs, this is going to be great, and and it was it's to some extent, but then over the years that that wears off a little bit, and you're you're talking more about you know Twins, Pirates, and neither one of them's going anywhere. And sometimes it's to me it's like this, I wonder if this game even counts. <laughs> it does, yeah. but you wonder it doesn't feel like it did. And I, I wasn't that that uh, that wild by the A's Giants thing for a, a lot of the years. Um, just didn't seem to have that much energy to it. But you know we're 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 stuck with it right now. What the what the game needs right now, I think it needs to expand to 32 teams. I, uh, to me, uh, Montreal is is sitting there as a as a great a great option. You got many other options to fill it out, and and once you do that, and you get you get uh, all the divisions are you know even instead of instead of every every night right now with with 30 teams, you got 15 games, and one of them has to be interleague. It has to be. Get rid of that. That's the first thing you get rid of. I don't think. Uh, I think expansion would be good for the game, and and uh, it could even do away with interleague play. I don't know if they would actually do that, but I'd, I'd love to see it. Well, well, we, I think it, we're getting into the geographical uh, issues, and maybe who knows from this pandemic with traveling, and who knows what the world is going to look like in two years, honestly. And no baseball is going to have to adjust to it. So we may be heading towards that. Just what you said, yes. uh, geographically. Well, great to talk with you. Uh, I liked Always. your I liked your column today about the Thank catchers, uh, left-handed hitting catchers like Tyler. Oh yeah, huh? uh, You listed Smokey Burgess. Well, thank you. Uh, Darren yeah. Dalton, Tim McCarver, or Mike Sosha, not to mention Mickey Cochran and Bill Dickey, and the oh, incomparable yeah. Yogi Berra. So I said to myself, all right, who else? Um, yeah, who else is the question? John Roseboro. How about him? Yeah, he's he, he's he's in there. Tom Hallen. Uh, but I I mean I, I having seen the Dodgers all those years, he was he was okay, but he was he was not a huge threat at the plate. He just wasn't. He Tom wasn't Haller? like the guys were talking. About Tom Haller. Tom Haller uh, had some decent years with the with the Giants, had a little bit of power. Uh, I think on those on those teams, you have to get through with Mays McCovey and Zapata <laughs> and all those guys. <laughs> Haller didn't look like much, but yeah, those are those are a couple of good guys. But the interesting thing to me is that there hasn't been anyone. In in quite some time of any note. Yeah, I love the when you Maybe. do those lists. Though it 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 really, it really you cover a lot of ground. Let's put it that way. I I figured you'd like some of those names, but those are those are great names, and the history of the game is always something you want to bring in when uh, something unusual happens, like a you know a switch hitting catcher like like uh, Bailey. Yeah, you go yeah, back yeah. to Ted Simmons and Victor Martinez and guys like that. So they were fun. they were badass players, as you point out. They they were. Very good. Hey, Bruce, uh, take care. Great to talk with you, as always. And uh, as I say, by next Saturday, we'll know something. I guarantee it. I'll tell you what. Next Saturday is going to be a big day because we're going to be talking about what happens the following Saturday (laughs) (laughs) in the negotiations. (laughs) Goodness. All right. Have a great night. Thanks, Bruce. You too, Marty. Take care. All right. That is Bruce Jenkins. Wow. (laughs) That is baseball talk at its finest. More coming up. KMBR 680. 104.5, the sports leader.